welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks, Evan, for getting together with me. And um, looking forward to this. We met through a mutual friend, and we have some things in common. And I'm in, involved in Airbnb, and you were wanting you're wanting to get involved in Airbnb, so that kind of connected us yeah. a little bit, got us talking. And then another thing we have in common is we both have an interest in code exposure. Yeah, <laughs> and you. It sounds like you're more into it than me. Um, like I've been taking three minute code showers in the morning lately. And then I follow it up with a hot shower, <laughs> and a hot shower feels really good to me afterwards. But yours like zero hot showers, right? Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, it's probably been almost two years since I've taken a hot shower. Yeah, um, I do like a hot bath. Like, oh, do you? So I'll do that maybe on the weekends or something. Yeah, just to kind of get as hot as possible. I think that's good for you too. Right. Yeah, I used to enjoy the sauna at the gym, but that's been closed. And I have heard recently someone talk about, well, a hot bath, it's not quite the same thing, but it might be uh, something to do if you don't have a a son at home, which I don't. (laughs) Yeah, me either. Um, What other kind of fitness things do you do? Uh, I'd go for a daily walk. That's pretty consistent. Um, I've had... I've got injured quite a few times this year. (laughs) Like I broke my hand and I messed up my foot in July and... Anyway, that stopped me from doing more. Like I would like to, I've had a goal now. I'd like to be able to jog a mile and not stop, but okay. I haven't been able to do that yet. That's okay. But that's a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I also like to do, uh, what's it called? It's called Tabata, but it's like high impact oh. training. Oh, high intensity training. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, I'll, but it's been a while since I've done that too, but. Yeah. Last year, I felt like it was pretty consistent with <laughs> building towards these goals. And, and yeah, I'd do Tabata in the morning and then walk. And then I'd try to do some strength training stuff, too. Oh, do you? Yeah. Like what? Like just push-ups and, okay. and um, kind of like core exercises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, let's introduce you. I'll let you do that. So who is Evan? Well, let's see. I'm a... Uh, I'm a Christian. I'm going to be 40 in December. I've been thinking a lot about that, even though, like, I've got a friend who freaked out when he turned 30, and I was like, that's ridiculous. It's just a number, but that's, like, all I'm thinking about now. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm not, like, dreading it. Mm-hmm. But I do have, there's, like, goals and stuff that I've associated with it. But um, I'm, uh, I've been married for 17 years. I've got two children. They're both in uh, junior high right now, almost high school. Hmm. Um, I don't know. My, I've got two brothers and a sister. Mm-hmm. They live around here as well, so that's nice. And my folks live close by. Um, that's a good question. I I don't know how else to answer it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what um, so what's your main occupation in in life at, right now? Well, right now I'm doing odd jobs. I'm transitioning my career. Uh, yeah, I. Worked for the government for a long time, and I quit that job in July. It was, uh, it was just not working out for me. My own mental health, my own uh, desires, um, the calling I feel like I have in my life was was different than that. 
Um, that was just paying the bills and it was kind of mm-hmm. bringing me down. Um, so now I'm, I'm looking for something. That's why I started to get into Airbnb a little bit. Um, I'm doing some, some odd jobs now through task rabbit. If mm-hmm. you've heard of that app, it's been, it's kind of interesting. Huh, I it's a, it's a gig based, um, way to work kind of like Uber. Okay. Um, but it's for like, um, helping people move, building furniture, hauling out trash, doing yard work, anything that's kind of manual labor. Oh, you could wow. put on there what you're willing to do. You can set a, a, an hourly rate and then you draw a circle on the map as far as how far you're willing to go to do work. Mm-hmm. And then people can find you and hire you to do stuff. Can you keep pretty busy through that? Uh, I've only gotten into it last couple of weeks. Okay. And so I'm trying to figure out how to optimize it right now because it seems like you can do a lot of driving which, mm-hmm. you know, you're not getting paid to do. Yeah. But once you're there, um, and then you get reviewed every time. And you can also say whether the person who hired you was a good person to work with, too. So wow. it's sort of like Airbnb in that way. Um, and I, I imagine you can make connections that might lead to other work um, outside of TaskRabbit once you've, you know, made that relation, started that relationship. Yeah, I would hope so. So two people... Um, have invited me, well, three people now have invited me to come back and do more work later. So it can, you can build a relationship and, mm-hmm. and establish a rapport and things like that. Yeah. I haven't really ever been able to work like, you know, a full day to hours, eight hours in one day, mm-hmm. but you know, here and there, yeah. um, I don't mm-hmm. really see it as a job replacement, but a thing to kind of, uh, my original thought was, and, and I still hope this happens. I'd like to you know, if I'm going to make Airbnb work, I want to get to know na- different neighborhoods more, get to know different people that are moving, moving out or moving in, maybe get to know some landlords, like try to figure out more of the lay of the land in general. And that might help yeah. with the Airbnb. Right. Well, something, you know, I asked if there was anything you wanted to talk about. And you mentioned a couple of things. One was um, you're interested in just how biblical truth applies to the mundane areas of life, then you also mention um, having like an identity as a child of God um, and how that dictates the way we see and act in the world. And you mentioned that it's something that was challenging to you, something you're really, um, I guess, striving for, having that identity and maintaining it. Um, I guess we could start there if you yeah. Like so, this has been something that's been on your mind, I guess, for for a long time. Or yeah, years, I think. Um, my wife and I, and we're still working on this too. We've we we're trying to start a sort of emotional and spiritual health um, ministry of some kind. And but even before that, this this has been on our, on our mind. Um, the uh, I think for me, for the um, the type of person that I am, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Yeah. Yeah. So on there, I'm a nine and that's, and I guess it's good if you like your own kind, (laughs) which, which I really do. It's, it's a, a unifier. Uh, it's a peacemaker and it's someone who wants to see like people come together, wants to see teams work well together. Um, I can see, um, the value in, in others really well. And I can try to draw that out and then get them to use their, skills, you know, so that the group, mostly what I'm, the group that I'm mostly thinking about is like church, right? Like the Christian community, I want it to work Mm -hmm. the way it's supposed to. We've all been gifted to do different things and we're not all cookie cutters of 
the exact same thing. We all have stuff to bring to the table. So as a nine, I love to see everybody's identity working in harmony with one another and, and, and coming together. And then, but also I think as a nine and I'm still learning about how it all works, but there's, there's nine types in the Enneagram and they're in, uh, groups of three or four. Anyway, there's different motivators like anger and fear and shame maybe. And uh, now I, I don't have the visual in front of me, but anyway, I know for me, like shame is a pretty big deal and that's a really negative motivator, hmm. like to be motivated by shame because mm-hmm. that's when you start getting into, well, I really ought to do this or I really should do that. And it's like, well, where, where's that coming from? Like, who says I should do that or, or I ought to do that? And sometimes it's just comes from me. Sometimes it comes from people I know or the culture or, but I, I want to be motivated by what God says about me. And I think that's why this is so interesting to me, trying to figure out what, what am I listening to? And then trying to listen to the right voice, the, the voice of God or the, like as a Christian, we have the soul, uh, the spirit and the flesh are always at odds with one another. Like even within me, like there's, there's Evan, the spiritual guy and there's Evan, the, the purely physical guy. And they have a different idea of what I should and ought to do as well. So there's a lot of information to try to sift through. Uh, but when I understand my identity as a, a child of God, and I really understand what that means, that cuts through so much of the noise. Um, and it's been so wonderful for me, um, to just, to come back to that constantly and say, you know, is that there's no shame message in that because shame is so destructive because it's, it's chipping away at my identity. Like if I'm getting motivated by shame, I'm starting to believe that I'm less than or, or not worth very much or, um, or a loser or whatever, you know, it's like all these identity things about me instead of like, like say I make a mistake, the shame creeps in with saying, well, you were never going to get that right anyway. You know, like you're, you can't do that. And it, it chips away at my identity. Like I said, whereas a grace message, uh, from the Lord or from, you know, my own self, like the, the, the spiritual side of me, my Christian side is, well, maybe that was a mistake. Like we can learn from it and do something different. You did something that didn't work out right, but that doesn't mean you are wrong. You know, there's a difference between what I've done and like this core part of my identity. So, you know, speaking of shame, I don't mean to get us off topic, but do you ever um, find yourself wanting shame to motivate other people? Like (laughs) instead of, um, you know, uh, you know, talking to them or something, just hoping they feel bad and would change their behavior. <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I would imagine I, you know, as a parent that sometimes is, I think part of the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to help, um, highlight that distinction with my children. And I know if I respond wrong, it's going to add to their shame. And I, and I don't want to do that, but it's, so yeah, it's, it's tricky. Um, I don't know who you are, like just people in general, maybe it's hard. Well, to, I guess you don't want to. There's a person in my life, um, who, um, 
I can't r- really talk to because um, this person um, just not able to connect with me in conversation, and um, so there so bitterness grows up, mm. and um, and it's like it can't be expressed because we can't talk; it just doesn't work. <clears throat> so um, I um, so I, when I kind of am paying attention to my own thoughts and everything it's it's like i'm i i I kind of hoping that this person (laughs) um experiences some shame um to because i think like they might they might wake up or something and um there might be some kind of a change now i know you know, logically or whatever, that shame is not like a good motivator. Yeah. So, um, so it makes, it doesn't make sense from just reasoning through it. Um, well, you know, the, there's an important <laughs> distinction between guilt and shame. Cause mm-hmm. I think guilt is, is highly appropriate when we've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and that's, and it's different from shame because it's about what we did. When we sin, we're guilty of sin and God has to do something about that. When we sin against another person, we've we've actually wronged them. There's something that needs to be done. Uh, whereas shame is like you you are that you know that jerk or or that loser or that like no I'm 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 just a guy and I made a mistake. But we could sort it out. So maybe I guess I don't not knowing the whole story. But you know if that person were to feel guilty. That would be a good motivator, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and that could bring about some some action of some kind that might be beneficial. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, getting back to what you were talking about now, when you're mentioning the spirit and the flesh, you know that those are like biblical concepts. Um, and how how do you how would you describe that? Like living according to the spirit or living according to the flesh? Um. Yeah. What, what do yeah. you think? Well, um, I would describe it as a connection with God. A and there's a power transfer there of some kind where God is, you know, through the Holy Spirit providing the the power and, and the faith and the courage t- to do what's right. That would be spiritual Evan doing, um, acting out my faith, uh, or. Um, so a good an, an analogy for for me, and this is something we've kind of tried to flesh out as well. My wife and I, in, in these um, these kind of teaching materials that we that we try to develop with our um, this ministry when we wanted to start. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with Tai Chi at all? The practice of Tai Chi. A little bit. It's kind of like a martial arts type of thing. Yeah, but it's all about um, balance, mm-hmm. and it's slow. Like in movies, it's old people in the park doing Tai Chi hmm. in the morning, and it's not really martial, mm-hmm. you know, you're not punching and kicking, mm-hmm. but the principles of Tai Chi are being connected to the earth through your balance hmm. and your feet. And so you're never up in the air. Like, like in karate, you might jump and kick something and you're just in the air, like both your feet are off the ground. But in Tai Chi, you always have a, a foot on the ground and mm-hmm. your balance is, you're just very conscious of where it is. Some moves, you have your balance equally in both feet. Some moves you have 100% of your balance in your left or your right foot, and that frees you up to move or pivot or something. And so, and, and then when you are drawing power, like if you need power to do something, like there are 
there is a way to punch in Tai Chi or, or to do a kick or to, to move something. Like if you got attacked, it's really great for defense, actually. Like you could you could pivot your way your weight in such a way that where you're so connected to the ground, then then you can give this person energy and like push them to the side or something like if they're running at you, but all the power to do anything comes from the earth because you're touching the earth. And if you were to push against something, you would be pushing with the power of the earth, you know, not just whatever my muscles can do, but it's because of how I'm balanced and connected to the ground. Hmm. And so that's a great analogy that I love to think about for moving spiritually. If I'm connected to God, if I'm, you know, that has to do with my identity, like I was saying, but you know, functionally, even just, yeah, if the relationship is a certain way and I'm connected and drawing power from God and I'm centered on God and I'm surrendered to God, like there's, those are all sort of different ways of saying Tai Chi principles, like in a sort of a Christian way, but Mm -hmm. it, it works the same. And then when I go to do something, then God's power is, is flowing through me, just like the earth's power is flowing through me to, to push aside, you know, a potential attacker or to even just lift up, you know, a grocery bag or, uh, or push a lawnmower. You know, I'm, I'm doing that because I'm touching the ground and the energy is flowing through me into the lawnmower and it's going forward. If so, we we're in zero G or something like I couldn't push the lawnmower, you know? So whether you're conscious of it or not, you are pushing against the earth when you're pushing the lawnmower. So t- yeah. Tai Chi is just kind of being more conscious of it. Yeah. And it's great for, you know, we got into it cause my wife has a chronic illness and it's a pain management thing. It helps hmm. you relax and move and be functional. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of older people or people who are recovering from surgery, you know, have been in this class with us and we're like the youngest people there, you know, but it's, it's been it. So yeah, it, it's always there, mm-hmm. but then the more conscious you are of it, the more efficiently you can move and the more effectively you can do things and, and, and avoid getting injured again, you know, or, or something like that. Avoid straining a muscle or, mm-hmm. you know, it has a lot to do with, you know, your body is like, uh, so our Tai Chi teacher is not Christian, but mm-hmm. he can't help but say, well, your body is designed to move this way or that way, right? Mm-hmm. Even though he believes in evolution. So it's it's very interesting because there is a way, there's an alignment that our body has, then there's a way to be maximally functional, you know, with this design that we have in our joints and things like that. Hmm. And so I can't help but, like that's all physical, but I think there are just as tangible spiritual truths that really correlate to all that too, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as how we move and function spiritually. So spiritually, um, it's, um, you know, we really can't do anything without God supporting our lives and and so forth, but it's being more conscious of that. And yeah. Um, well, how do you tap into, um, you know, living by the spirit. Um, yeah, I think there's, I think there's lots of ways and it. I think some of it has to do with somebody's personality for, but I think there's some ways that are probably prescribed for everyone as well. Um, but, uh, like tight, if it's anything like Tai Chi, it's, it's very quiet. It's very slow moving mm-hmm. and it focuses on stillness and breath, you know, mm-hmm. the way you're breathing 
is really important. And so there's a lot of spiritual practices that have been practiced for centuries that are about stillness, stillness before God, silence and solitude. Like that's a really soul enriching thing that I feel connects me with God in a, in a pretty major way. Mm-hmm. Slowing down really, I think is a huge part of it. I mean, it has to be intentional. You have to slow down and pay attention to God. I mean, you could slow down and do whatever. I mean, meditation's popular right now in, in secular culture, and that's all about emptying your mind mm-hmm. and like wiping the slate clean. And that's that's not Christian meditation. I think Christian meditation is is looking towards God and being open to God's truth to to then speak into our life. We're not just trying to wipe our mind clean. I think that's pretty dangerous. But well, the um, the idea I think between you know the secular meditation. I think it's um, kind of like wiping the mind clean of just the being caught up in it, the busyness, and um, and just um, kind of being present and being still. It's um, which you know I've thought it can fit in with Christianity, um, just a, a way to slow down and be present before the Lord, you know, and. Uh, be quiet yeah. before him, you know. Yeah, I think that's huge, and I, I think we don't do that very well in in American Christianity. But yeah, slowing down and yeah, being still before God. Yeah. I think that's so uh, energizing for then being act. You know, whenever you decide to do something later, you've that's somehow recharged batteries. At least for me, that's how it works. Yeah. Um. Do you do that? Is that a regular practice? Like you have a certain time of the day you do it, or is it just something you just try to keep in mind as you go throughout your day? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. I try to, if my ideal daily routine would have that built into the morning, um, I kind of have this, like on my walk, it's usually, sometimes it's dark, sometimes it's not, you know, but it's it's usually quiet. And so that'll be a time of that. But then sometimes there's neighbors around. Sometimes I'm stopping to talk, stopping to talk to people. Sometimes I catch up on messages on my phone. You know, so it's, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Yeah. Um, when I feel particularly anxious or stressed, more and more that's becoming a trigger to just go stop for a minute. Even though mm-hmm. that's like the opposite of what I want to do right there, because right. <laughs> there's obviously some problem I'm trying to solve. Right. And it's like okay, five or ten minutes, just go to my room and. Even if it's hard to pray, I can just try to be still and like focus on my breathing for a little while. Mm-hmm. That is when it's hardest to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think I got this from a book a few years back um, when it comes to living by the Spirit. It's, um, it's you know, they uh, connected it to the gospel itself of Jesus, um, his death, and how that um, gives us acceptance with God. It frees us from um, performance. It um, it's just it does something to us that really nothing else can do uh, when it when we really get it. You know when it really hits us and um, whatever that's producing. That's like that spirit living by the spirit, living in that um, sense of acceptance and love mm-hmm. and um so that's something I, I try to keep in mind sometimes or I've kind of pondered about um 
the more I can kind of be in that state of I'm I've been ransomed, I've been forgiven, and um, God is for me. I've been rescued, and the more I can kind of live in that, you know, then the more I'm living by the Spirit, you know. Yeah, and I think that speaks a lot to that identity piece that mm-hmm. that's so key for me. You know, being ransomed, being you know in God's family, like. Mm-hmm. That's that's huge. One, uh, it's been a while since I've read this, but have you read the book about Brother Lawrence? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, he yeah. kind of embodied this really well. He was a dishwasher in a monastery, mm-hmm. and I don't think he liked his job at all, but he was a monk, and he needed to do something spiritually about it, and eventually he got to this place where every dish that he wiped off and every, every time he swept the floor it was like a meditation and a way mm-hmm. to connect with God, even mm-hmm. though it was not the job that he wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's just a really powerful story of being able to connect to his identity um, and, uh, and do things spiritually in the, in the physical world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when it comes to um, being more impacted by the gospel I guess there's different things that people do for that. Like, I guess the Lord's Supper is like one way that people do, you know, some people find singing um, helpful for really feeling the blessings of the gospel or something like those. Is there anything in particular that's helpful for you as far as um, just experiencing emotionally your identity in in Christ Jesus? Yeah, I think it comes with... um well, there's probably a couple of things. The first thing I thought of was, you mentioned music. Um, so I'm a musician. I play the drums. And I get to do that in the church band. And I've done it you know, in other bands and stuff in college too. But there's something about that expression uh, that is really impactful mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always have to be worship music. I think there's just something about making music. Hmm. Um, and, it, and then it has to do with my mindset you know, too. Mm-hmm. But but as far as feeling like having an emotional response to to some sort of a an expression that's probably the the strongest one okay but i it's very it's it's a close second probably is just being in relationships with people um that are open and honest and authentic like there's something about walking through a hard time with somebody or being supported during a hard time being uh connected to people it has always, well, not always, but it, it is now some, it's, it points to God for me it's when it goes the way it, it ought to go, you know, mm-hmm. when it's uh, authentic and, and open and accepting and, and nourishing. It's, it's a reminder of God's doing those things for me all the time, even though I might have an interaction with somebody that's short, that feels like that that's really wonderful too. But then I can remember that that's 24 hours a day from God, you know, that hmm. kind of, that relationship, you know, it's right there. So the relationship is reminding you of your relationship with God. Yeah. Okay. And then especially if I can do be there for someone else too, like that's an important role as well, but it really is, you know, God caring for that person through me, hopefully. Yeah. So when I, so sometimes I wonder, like, do we relate to God through other people? Like, um, 
because you, you you know there's some things in the Bible that kind of hints at that you know like if you do it unto the least of these my brethren you're doing it unto me so like I just wonder about that thought you know connecting with God through connecting with other people and if and and then receiving from God the same way and so forth you know yeah I think that's a really really important and beautiful thing that that we can uh, do in in church or within i mean yeah any there there's this beautiful thing about human inter- interaction mm-hmm. that can be really i mean it can be pretty destructive too but it's mm-hmm. it has the potential to be that amazing yeah so are are you satisfied with your relational life um are you wanting it um what's been helpful for it um what are you wanting anything you're wanting to do different or just how how is your relational life um you know, and uh, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, pretty satisfied, I guess, overall. Um, okay. Striving to to tweak things here and there, as always, too. Mm-hmm. Um, something that uh, has has helped the most, probably, is is getting help. You know, like counseling. I've also been in a support group where. You can kind of practice relationship skills and then bring them into your the real world back into, you know, sort of this isolated thing. And then you can go um, into your real life and, and make some changes hmm. and stuff. And that's been incredibly helpful for me. For, like communication for of type of stuff? Yeah, or practicing conflict, conflict resolution or, yeah, communication. Um, understanding that whole shame bit that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what am I motivated by and is that affecting the relationship somehow? And I didn't even realize it. And then becoming aware of that and then being able to engage in like a, a real relationship in a way that, you know, if I start to get bothered or feel guilty or, or resentful or something, I can sort of recognize what might be driving that better because of, you know, the, the kind of the counseling and, and the, the support. Mm-hmm. So, that's been huge, and and it, but it's always it's an ongoing process too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a support group of uh, or a, a accountability group of of two guys, mm-hmm. and the three of us check in a few times a week. We talk about what we're feeling. We do a feelings check. We talk about things we're struggling with. We talk about things we're excited about, and just that kind of sharing. It, we've had to practice and develop that, and it's become a habit, and hmm. it's really enriching. And, and really wonderful. So, um, how do you guys stay in track, in contact with each other? Uh, we use uh, a messaging app. Okay. Called Voxer. It's I don't know. If, it's just like turns your phone into a walkie-talkie, but you can send voice memos back and forth. You can send pictures and text as well. But we mostly use the voice memo part. But it's a lot like WhatsApp, which I think is more popular. It works pretty much the same as that. Okay. Or I bet I think Messenger does a lot of that same stuff too. Well, that's interesting. Um, I attempted to get like a group of that like that together and um I'm enjoying the group but it's not kind of it didn't become what I wanted it to become mm-hmm. so we're still involved with one another and it's it's been great but so what I did was um there's these groups in St. Louis I don't know if I mentioned this to you before but um they're they go through um it's men's groups they get into groups of four and um and they go through a book called discipleship essentials it takes a couple years to go through it and they meet weekly and um 
So at the end of the two years, they break up and each person looks for three other people and the group of one becomes a group of four and then it multiplies every couple of years. My brother's been involved and I thought, um, that would be great. I'd like to do that, but I don't want to drive into the city. I'll just find some people out where I live. So I, I did in my own neighborhood and um, it's been good, but um, and it's also good to kind of connect with people who are outside of my circles. Like one guy's Roman Catholic, one guy's Lutheran. Mm. And, um, but the thing is, um, I'm kind of, um, w- w- thought, you know, let, let's talk about our lives. How can we be praying for one another? What are we going through and stuff? And they are, are just not into that. In fact, they, uh, just kind of more toward the beginning said, oh, we just don't really want to mm. talk about that. Now, during, um, one of these, um, discussions about, I don't want to talk about that. The guy, he did just pour out what was going on in his life for years and um, and just the difficulties he, he'd been through. And it was kind of his way of explaining, see, th- this is why I don't want to talk about oh. it. This is why I've been through. And we just allowed him to talk. He, he took up like the whole hour and, and um, hmm. he would say a few words and we would just pause and let him go and he'd go and go and go. Yeah. I think that was really good for him. But on the other hand... It was his way of saying, um, this is not the type of thing I want to bring up and talk about. Mm-hmm. So um, so anyway, we've en- we enjoy each other. We get together, together every Saturday morning. Our relationships have deepened, but it's not like what, it's, what you guys probably have as far as talking about the difficult things of life and trying to walk through them together, you know? Yeah, I think, well, I know for my group, it had to start with um, with a lot of pain, like and connecting on on a, a common struggle, hmm. and it had to do with struggling with with lust and pornography. Mm-hmm. And once once you've started at such an intense place, mm-hmm. then um, then the other stuff can come. But so it almost has to start at this sort of really hurt place. Almost, I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I I haven't found a relationship that kind of works its way down to as, as intensely personal as it looks like you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But if it's works from the bottom up in this sort of like, I'm desperate and, and I'm, I'm really needing help. And Oh, somehow you find some guys that are struggling with the same thing and need some help. And, and then it's like, well, let's talk about that. And then you get to know the entire guy's life mm-hmm. and, and if it can sustain itself. It, so I don't know. There, there's probably something to that where connecting over pain, connecting over struggle and be, being being open about it. Guys don't want to be open about struggle and pain. Yeah. It's we we want to be islands, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and I I think that comes back around to the shame thing too. Like I should be able to handle this on my own. Why am I struggling so much? I I don't need their help. Mm-hmm. Like that that's all a false message. That's all shame. And getting through that to the like okay, can I get some help here? Mm-hmm. Um, really leads to some beautiful things. What kind of thing is the most helpful when you got two or three men together and struggling? I think talking about and naming feelings has been huge for me. Um, I think it's, I don't know if that would be as huge for everybody, but I know for me that was, that has been incredibly life-changing and still, something I'm, I'm working on, but being able to say, I'm really angry 
or I'm really sad or I think I'm grieving something and here's what it, I think it is. Maybe I haven't thought about it for years and I'm just getting really devastated by it right now for some reason. And here's the thing that prompted me to even think about that. You know, maybe it's my grandfather or something that happened when I was a kid, like a, a missed opportunity or a loss of some kind. And it's like, why am I thinking about that right now? And being able to mention that to somebody and for me to be able to verbally process it and eventually sort of work my way around to something that kind of makes sense. Cause I'm a hmm. verbal processor and uh, the guys in the group are too. So the, on this messaging app, the messages are over 10 minutes often, you know, we're oh, talking, really? it's a, it's wow. a long, you know, and you're not interrupted cause you're just sending a voice memo. So mm-hmm. you can verbally process and hmm. that's been wonderful for us. So it wow. doesn't work for everybody because, um, uh, there's some, some groups at church. We, we formed a, a group conversation on the app as well. And, you know, you're just taking care of church business or mentioning prayer requests and it's, it doesn't need to be a, a five minute or, you know, it's, it's much shorter, but then in, in the processing group, it's, you can go as long as you want, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, starting with, with how I'm feeling and why I think I might be feeling that way and just being able to sort that out and, and have guys listen to it has been probably the most beneficial thing because I don't, um, I didn't really, I don't know how to do that. You know, I'm still learning how to do that. Um, it's hard to just, I know when I'm upset, but then it, what am I actually feeling? You know, I've got to talk about it to figure that out. And when you send the message, how do people reply? Like, do they reply um, to let you know they listen to it? Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah. Okay. Yeah, usually they'll do uh, a couple minutes of, here's what I heard you say. Hmm. That's a totally valid feeling or I'd feel the same way or, Oh, I've never thought of it like that. And you know, a response mm-hmm. and then they'll might be like, okay, now I'm going to check in too. And here's what's going on with me. You know? So it's, hmm. it's pretty, uh, like I said, it's, we've developed a habit, but it's never really ever been a, you know, this is exactly how we're going to do it boys. You know, it's just mm-hmm. developed. Right. So, it reminds me of, um, I listen to Jordan Peterson sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, he talked about, like, sounds like what you guys are doing. Like, he said, friends can do this for one another. Like, if you just got this mess in your head of all these things going on, just to get that out and let the other person reply with what they're hearing, and they kind of put it into a nutshell. Yeah. And then you get to take that away. If they if they get it, they understand you get to take away that nutshell instead of all that mess and it it helps you to be more ordered in your own mm. thinking and the problem might not be solved but at least you you can grasp what's going on better because you heard someone's reply yeah uh, and somebody helpful. gave you that space to take 10 12 15 minutes to just say everything that you want to say about it mm-hmm. and then you can do yeah your own usually at the end there's some sort of a like a, a nutshell of your own it's just like well okay basically i guess this is what i'm thinking about or feeling hmm. um yeah but yeah hearing it from another person is powerful too because then you know they understood you and heard you mm-hmm. or they might say did i hear you say this and then you could still say well no that's not really what i meant and then the conversation can go on from there and that's fine too mm-hmm. well what about the other side the flesh so you know there's walking by the spirit rather than the flesh, which is what we want to avoid. How do you understand that when 
for example, when um, St. Paul talks about the flesh? Uh, well, I would see that as um, whatever our our carnal carnal desires are, or whatever I can come up with in my own mind as far as you know a goal for the day. If it was a purely fleshly thing, you know, some might seem noble enough, like, well, you know, it would be good. Um, yeah, anything that I guess that I'm coming up with on my own, I think. So just if it's not in surrender, you know, because it could be really destructive i could just be like i'm just gonna like call in sick i'm not really sick i'm gonna call in sick today i'm gonna watch movies all day i'm gonna binge on junk food like somehow i I, that's what i need today i you know i need a break i need self-care but then i'm just gonna do all this stuff that really makes me actually less healthy (laughs) i don't know that would or it could be i'm gonna go to a strip club or a casino or you know just or do heroin, like anything really is if I am coming up with it and seeing like, you know, that's a great idea. I'm just, I'm going to do that. That's, that might be the flesh. Okay. And there's a range. I mean, cause you know, there's, uh, there's plenty of non-Christian people who are doing like charity work and like all these things that are really noble and good. Yeah. If they're not connected to God, that's what's, who knows what that is. I mean, it, maybe it's peer pressure, maybe, um, uh, uh, but then you know, there's uh, there's plenty of Christians. I, just in, I don't know. It's tricky because it could look really great, but they could be motivated by fear. Um, maybe they're they're a nominal Christian who's like, well, I know God died for my sins, and that's really how you get to heaven. But I don't want to show up at the pearly gates without this whole long list of like all the great stuff I did. So I better do as much charity work as possible so I can tell St. Peter or whoever runs the gate, you know, Hey, look, I, I worked in an orphanage for 20 years, you know, like they're still motivated by this fear that if they don't do a good enough job, they might not be accepted. Hmm. Um, and then that's gotta be definitely true for non-Christians as well. Like they've got to invest in karma or whatever it is to do a good enough job. So we, you can still be motivated by the flesh and do good stuff, stuff that looks good anyway. So when I think of the flesh, I think because of the word flesh is used, I think of like animal uh, desires or something like, you know, just to get these um, base, I mean, these, you know, just really f- bodily desires fulfilled, oh, sex sure. and food and comfort and, you know, things like that. But it sounds like uh, your thoughts about it is more of um, just anything that's not in grace, you know. Um, like ambition, for example, perhaps could be um, a fleshly type of thing. Yeah, I think so. I think if you dig down to it, it is it is just running off of this sort of instinctual kind of, yeah, more of an animal mind of some kind of self-preservation. I mean, that that's that fear thing of like, mm-hmm. well, if there is an afterlife, I better do enough good stuff. Like that's self-preservation and that's fairly basic carnal instinct i think for for living creatures to try to not die you know and not get destroyed so it probably is connected to that i guess it's at some level now you know like some um people who are not christians that i talk with like i hate to, i'd hate you know i don't want to just uh not be able to accept their motivations as being good mm. um and noble like wanting to 
put good in the world and do good just for the sake of contributing and just the satisfaction of doing good. Like in the secular world, um, the the phrase is used, human flourishing a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, just wanting those around me to flourish and me to flourish with them. So I don't know. I, so I kind of hesitate to, um, to say, no, your motive, you know, because you're not a Christian, your motivations are not sincere and you're doing it out of fear or something. Well, and we don't know until we talk to him, I guess, really. Yeah. It's all speculation. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does seem like if it's not some sort of a direct connection with God and, and, what else could it be? I guess I, you know. I don't know. Um, but yeah. But we're not always honest with ourselves either. I mean, they're not. That person's not going to say, "Oh, you know, it is actually selfish that I work at this charity." Like, they're not, nobody's going to say that. <laughs> but you know, we could understand ourselves better, um, and and maybe get there at some point. And and I. More honesty, more more truth telling to ourselves. I think would would have to lead us to God because otherwise it's a pretty dark situation. Hmm. Um. So you're interested in this ministry, or you're involved in it, starting like an emotional and spiritual ministry that you mentioned. Yeah, about four years ago, we started trying to to get involved with that um and it's still developing even now um but it it's called epic every day we did a podcast for a while which okay. was really fun my wife and i uh we did <laughs> we did a lot for a year we did five episodes a week they're all like short little 15 minute things and wow. it was supposed to be something you could listen to on your commute mm-hmm. and uh you know we took those those principles that we got from tai chi and there's five of mm-hmm. them uh calm surrendered connected uh centered and complete. And so every day of Monday through Friday, we'd talk about one of those as it related to some bigger topic, like, you know, I can't remember one now, but anyway, they're, they're all on our webpage still. Um, but so that was the first thing we were like, well, let's get our, let's get these ideas out into the world somehow. And then, uh, that took a lot of time. (laughs) And so, uh, then we're like, well, let's develop, you know, so anyway, we just over the, the, we've just done a number of things where we were like, this has been so vital and important to us in the ways that we've grown and the things we've experienced, my wife and I, we want to, um, we want to help other people if we can. And it's still something we're striving towards. I, you know, it would, it might look like Christian life coaching. It might look like writing materials or doing speaking engagements or seminars. It, it hasn't, or making things like podcasts, um, We've made some YouTube videos. It's we're still trying to figure out what exactly it is and how do you get the message out to people. Yeah, cool. Sounds neat. Yeah, it's fun to do together. Um, right. Uh, we never had a guest on our podcast. It was just my wife and I sitting there. We we knew what we wanted to talk about and we'd make notes and then we'd come and and you know we'd separately we'd decide what we wanted to say and then we'd come and have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um. There's um, so you also mentioned, um, you know, just the matter of biblical truth applying to the mundane areas of life, 
Is that different than what we've been talking about? Like, um, I think it's probably pretty similar. Pretty similar. What we've been, yeah, being connected to to God spiritually, like like you are connected to the earth when you stand on it. That kind of mm-hmm. basic stuff. Like our our tai chi our tai chi instructor is so great at just talking about, like you were saying, like you're pushing against the ground when you push your lawnmower, whether you're practicing Tai Chi or not. And like, he's like, you know, everything you do in life, you can focus on your balance and your breathing and whether you're centered or connected to the earth. And in the same way, and I think we can focus on whether we're connected to God and, and slowed down enough and connected to to the Holy spirit in, in every little thing we do like brother Lawrence, when he was washing dishes or, or whatever. Um, but it's, it's pretty challenging because then it's like, oh, the way I drive my car, <laughs> you know, that's that's a spiritual act. The way I, you know, uh, the way I, I wash a dish, do I do it in surrender like Brother Lawrence did or do I resent even having to do it? You know, there's every little thing I think can, mm-hmm. is an opportunity to grow and be more connected with God. And it's, so I guess I've taken that as a personal challenge to, to try to look for that. I think a prayer that I pray for my children and for myself almost every day is that I'd see the world the way that it is, you know, the way that God sees it, that I'd see myself the way God sees me. I'd see my children the way God sees them. Like I want to see and experience the truth. And I think this kind of thing has so much to do with that. If I'm sorting it out and defining it myself in that sort of fleshly arena, I think that's a distortion of, of the truth. And so how do I see with spiritual eyes? How do I act mm-hmm. in a spiritual way? But it's um, it's not easy. <laughs> how is yeah. your um, life as far as being connected with those outside of the faith? For example, your chai, tai Chi teacher, yeah. um, you mentioned that, um, I think you mentioned he's outside of the Christian yeah. faith, right? So have you had a conversation with him about like fundamental beliefs and things like that? Or? Uh, some, uh, okay. he, yeah, he definitely knows we're Christian and I don't know, we might be the only Christians in the group and, and he's open and accepting to us being there. You know, we're friends. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, sometimes he'll say something and if he, you, you know, he'll kind of glance our way if it seems like he knows that it's, not something we really agree with. He'll be like, but then he'll be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm the teacher. I know what I'm talking about type of thing. So mm-hmm. it's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, but that is the challenge to, to be more open and forthcoming with our faith, with everybody we meet, you know, our neighbors and, and everything like that. That's, um, it's hard to be as explicit as you want to be as a Christian about, what you really believe and think yeah. with people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's convicting as well. Yeah. Podcasting has kind of been an avenue for me because, um, I can ask, um, people, whoever I so my neighbors have been on my podcast. I've asked Tyler many times or a few times. <laughs> he still hasn't, but, um, and, and just the nature of the podcast, you know, if we're going to, you know, what do you really believe? What's your life all about? What do you find meaningful and stuff like that? So it's kind of like an avenue to have those kinds of conversations, uh, which I appreciate. But um, I think it could be done just over coffee too. Um, mm-hmm. It's just um, 
sometimes hard just to kind of um, get away where you're just face-to-face and can talk because much of the time it's in passing or yeah. while doing something else or, you know. Yeah, I'm thinking about my neighbors now and that that is, it's true. Like maybe we chat, you know, I've, I see the same people walking their dog, but, you know, they go for their walk about the same time I go for mine every day and, and we'll stop and chat, but it's... um doesn't usually get to that place um mm-hmm. but, uh i was just but my my kids and their friends excuse me, they um uh yeah i don't know it's just it, but it comes through actions too not always just about what we say yeah um, now the weather's getting colder the friend the kids are playing in our house more and they're running around and they're loud and it's like I guess this is outreach somehow, (laughs) but this is so chaotic, you know, and trying to, you know, I want to be okay and and open with that Um, because these are not Christian kids. So it's, yeah, it it can look a lot of different ways, I guess. Yeah. Um, So my daughter has started, she's 17, one of them, and she started making friendships with the kids in the neighborhood most of them are quite a bit younger than her um, because um, because of COVID. There's not oh, school yeah. going on and stuff. And she's um, uh, made a relationship with this young lady, a young girl She's who's about 14, and she really uh, appreciates the relationship. But um, it's such a different worldview. Like her mom is um, into, into witchcraft mm-hmm. and... Um, the girl herself has an interest in witchcraft and she's um, into astrology and stuff like that. But they talk about their different beliefs and so forth. And my daughter's, you know, just, you know, open about her Christian beliefs and so forth. Um, But it's a little striking that there's not, um, I don't know how people see Christianity anymore. Like I normally think, oh, they just see it kind of neutrally, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if that's true anymore. It might be that there's negative connotations associated with Christianity, um, and it because there just seems to be no interest or um, at all. Yeah. And you would think um, when a relationship develops like this that there at least be some kind of interest in what's this other person about, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's the hope. Yeah, I think there probably are negative connotations. Yeah. I don't know what there are for kids, you know, mm-hmm. what they might be thinking about, but, but for adults, for sure, mm-hmm. probably depends on the kids' parents, what, what they think about right. things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting. We're, um, one of the, you you just you don't know what you don't know about your neighbors and stuff. One of the one of my daughter's friends told my daughter, and then my daughter told me that her friend said, "Well, your dad's really nice." And it's like, well, that's great to hear, but it's like, do you not know many other just like nice adults or what? What does that what's that even mean? You know, but that's maybe there's a connection there, you know, or, or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, Coming back to something you were saying earlier about just the podcast being a great way to just sit down and talk about things and mm-hmm. in sort of this open forum and yeah, I think that's really wonderful. But yeah, that doesn't really happen very much. Just sort of naturally, you kind of have to 
mm-hmm. created, I guess. Yeah. But then once it does, I think it can be really, really great. Yeah. I think people appreciate being listened to. So on a podcast, that is something I'm providing for my guest. You know, we're talking and they, um, um, so yeah, that's kind of a part of the benefit too. And I, and I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm enjoying the connection. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of creating that somewhat, I guess. Yeah. You know, he had brought up lust and that's something that's typical for men to, um, men, you know, um, struggle, you know, or when I think of America, I kind of think of like, uh, it's about money, um, and it's about sex and then power is in there too, like a close third perhaps, Mm -hmm. but we're really materialistic, really about sexual gratification and, um. And I think our um, C.S. Lewis mentioned this, like he thought in his culture that everyone was kind of sexually hyped up because of the culture that they lived in. Well, <laughs> you know, he hadn't seen anything yet <laughs> compared to yeah. like our culture. Um, it seems with just, um, just the, you know, it's in the air and so forth. Um, yeah, and wonder, go ahead. I wonder about that. Um, as far as like sexually free and open cultures like ours, but then I think there's just as much in like a sexually suppressed culture. Like maybe I know C.S. Lewis wasn't, you know, that was just fairly recent history, but like in the 1800s, it was really, yeah, um, it was all there, but it was not publicly displayed in the culture. It was all like underground and secret, but there was just as much deviation. I, I think I don't really, know. I would imagine. Um, I don't know. Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. And we know that the Roman culture was probably more like ours, where it's just out in the open for everybody to see all the the extreme deviance and stuff. But I I just have to imagine it. It's always there, you know? Yeah. But I was, I guess, you know, I was kind of thinking maybe, um, you know, of course, there's just natural sexual desire that's just built into us. But... um, Sometimes it's like not awakened or, or stirred up. Um, like in the song Solomon, um, there's the refrain sometimes like, don't awaken love until it desires or something along those lines. And like maybe in some societies, um, of course it's there, but it can just kind of lie a little quieter than if it's being stirred up a lot. And it seems that that kind of, makes it feed upon itself a little bit or, or something yeah. along those lines. I'm sh- I, yeah. You know, I, what, what I just said, I think it's probably basically true, but it's also true that, yeah, it's just, you know, we're a wealthy culture and then the ease and access of information just, I think amplifies that whole thing, you know, the, the internet and, um, and all the, the, you know, the leisure time and the luxury that we really enjoy then your mind is free to, to go places, you know, and whereas if it was more of a subsistence kind of lifestyle, right. There wouldn't be as much room for, you know, right. Sexual recreation really, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and now in probably non-Christian, um, circles, things like pornography might be, is maybe more of a, well, it's more accessible, but it's more of a, 
just an accepted yeah. th- thing, like um, yeah. almost like legitimate type of entertainment, enjoy, yeah. entertainment, or something yeah, like that. For sure. Is there um, like when it comes to like a healthy attitude toward sex? <coughs> um, do you have any thoughts? Um, like one thing that. Um, you know, I just start and, you know, uh, that's been helpful for me. I forgot this fellow's name, but he put it so well. Yeah. He said, uh, people are not to, people are to love, not to use. Mm-hmm. And when we, um, and lust is like using another person for one's own gratification. So the most helpful thing for me is to um, somehow try to, more actively be loving other people. Um, even if it's just in my thoughts, when I'm just kind of going throughout my day, I'm at the store or whatever, trying to see people in love and think of them as a person and not an object and to um, care, f- care for them, even though I'm not interacting with them. It's just that I'm just aware that they're there, but somehow having that mentality about it. And that's not, just always an automatic, easy thing. It's kind of like a fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, but anyway, so that's kind of the, for me, um, the most helpful way of, of thinking about it or fighting for a healthier internal, you know, sexual way of thinking and so forth. Yeah. I think it is, it's a muscle that we've got to develop. I think. Yeah, I think that was a great way to describe lust. What you just said is—I forget exactly what you said—but it's like it's focused on me and 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 what I think and what I want, whereas love is focused on the other person. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and I think the problem with so much access to pornography and just sexualized advertisement and a hypersexualized culture is that sex is an object. Other people become objects. It just becomes the sort of, you know, I have an itch and I want to scratch it type of thing. And it's not really about love. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, well, I'll get what I want. And I guess if I'm interacting with someone else, they're probably doing the same thing I'm doing. So we each get our itch scratched and then it's, it's over. And, uh, in yeah. advertisements like that too, it's just the company gets what they want, which is your eyes on the billboard or on the, the ad or whatever. And maybe you think about the product and then you get this little, um, endorphin hit too, because you see the intriguing image and it's just, it's, but it's not personal and it's not loving. Um, yeah, something that helps me just out in public is something very similar to what you were just saying too. It's like, instead of, um, just seeing, um, people as objects and like, Oh, I could, I could just take that image in and, and, uh, just have it for me in my mind and, and think about it however I want to think about it. But knowing that that's a person. And I think the best way to do that is, I don't know how you do it really at the store. You know, you can't just stop and talk to everybody, but like actually having a conversation yeah. with somebody turns them into, into a, a person, person in, right. instead of an object. And, uh, and, uh, that's a really wonderful process, you know, just mm-hmm. being able to, to talk to somebody, look someone in the eye and talk to them. That, right. that really um, fights against that, that lust mindset for it me. It does. Yeah. Because lust has to do with like um, mystery a little bit. 
you know, and you don't see the other person as a uh, as a person. Uh-huh. But when you, like you said, when you're connecting and you're talking, you, the, the, she becomes a person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it can work for less. Uh, it can also just work for prejudgments in general, you know, mm-hmm. talking to a somebody turns them into a person instead of whatever I've prejudged about them, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, it's an amazing thing. You have any thoughts about just power for love toward others? Like, um, you know, fuel, like I, I kind of think of like being loved as like fuel for loving others. Um, as far as like, um, just how to, um, step by step how to do that you know i don't have that worked out but mm. do you have any thoughts about that like um growing into a more loving person and being stronger in that area so that it's more of just the way we walk through our day yeah i would imagine it you're talking about like yeah like a way to personally interact with someone that would foster and nurture love even if it's like maybe a stranger or an acquaintance and just yeah just a way yeah probably has to do with showing up myself like just being as open as is appropriate and and mm-hmm. looking the person in the eye and um but yeah it's hard because there's like little there's like little doors along the way for me it's easier anyway if um like I don't know what the process is, I guess, but if it's, you know, it has to start with a greeting of some kind and then, you know, it depends on how much time you have to talk, I guess, or whatever. But if it seems obvious, the person just doesn't want to talk, like what can you really do to show love? I, I don't know. But, but if, yeah, some, some sort of a, I'm trying to think of an example and I can't really, but just, yeah, a personal connection, I think, um, treating the person like a person, I guess. Mm-hmm. whatever maybe it's the golden rule I don't know mm-hmm. yeah there's a there's something I've come across here recently and I'm reading a book on it there's this organization it's called Essential Partners and they have um, they have a structure that they've developed and I think it's it came out originally out of family therapy and stuff, like a structure for families to work together. Mm-hmm. But now it's a thing for the community. And um, we were, as a way so that this somehow is connected <laughs> to what we were talking, we were talking about, um, you know, not judging people, but just seeing them for who they are. And, and this is sometimes helpful for seeing other people's people rather than stereotypes. But it's, um, I first heard about it through, uh, I, th- I think it was Dr. Jill Temple. She's um, used it in her college classes. And um, it's a way to dialogue where the group, they come up with, um, you know, ground rules first. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then it'd be real structured. And it can work into a less structured thing. So it'd be like, one question on whatever divisive topic the dialogue is for, like maybe racism, which is kind of like a current hot topic. And um, then every, you'd go around, everyone have like three minutes just to say what they wanted to say on, to answer the the opening question. And then um, 
and questions could be asked, but not as a means to debate or to convince, but as a for growing and understanding. And the whole purpose of it is not to convince, but it's to uh, lessen stereotypes and to have a deeper understanding of who the, the other people are in this divisive issue. And I thought that was just such a neat thing and something that would be so helpful in um, like a society as we have it yeah. right now. Um, and um, I don't know, I don't know how um, to use that or to start it or implement it, but it's just something that's hot on my mind right now because I'm reading about it. Yeah. That sounds really cool. I think I experienced something similar. We, my wife and I went to uh, a business, a business coaching conference and this guy that led the conference was talking about starting a business, but not just because you want to make money or whatever. I forget what exactly you called it, but it was something like a heart centered business or um, it was for business and entrepreneurs who wanted to start a business to make a living while they're making the world a better place, hmm. not just to make a living. Mm-hmm. And so, so you already, people have self-selected to be, to come to this thing or not based on whether they think that's an interesting idea. But then, so the business conference is a bunch of practical stuff about like starting a business and deciding, you know, how to, how to do it and what kind of business you might focus on. But then, you know, you show up to something like that and there's 200 people in the room and you just find a random seat. And so you're sitting around eight or 10 people and you don't know who they are and you just see what they look like and maybe how they're sitting and, you know, forming these judgments and you can't help but do it almost. But then throughout the presentation, it was not just a bunch of lectures. It was, you know, find a partner that you didn't come with, you know, cause I went with my wife. So it's like, find somebody else, you know, and talk to them about whatever. And it was, it, since it was such a personal and like a passion driven type of entrepreneur thing, it was like, well, what is your passion for business and, and why? And then you get to talk about really personal stuff with these strangers. And eventually over the course of the weekend, everybody felt like they were friends with everybody, even though you only got to talk to maybe 10 or 20 people mm-hmm. or, or more, you know, it just kind of depends, but you didn't get to talk to all 200 people, mm-hmm. but you still felt everybody felt so connected and like accepting and they saw everybody as a person. Whereas at the beginning you're like, well, you know, this is just a crowd of people, but then it's just a really amazing experience. Yeah. So to, to foster something like that does take structured and focused questions like you mm-hmm. talked about with that group. And like, that would be pretty powerful too, to just go around the room and hear from somebody for a couple minutes based on, these things that we're kind of scared to talk about what maybe it is racism or, or whatever. Right. But to accept what they say and then hear the next person, the next person. And mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, these groups, they're kind of like normally small, like eight people or something like that. Um, but if you were going to do it in like a big group, like you're mentioning, yeah, it would be something like that. So that there'd be the question and just talk to your neighbor about yeah. it. You know, and and somebody have, you don't know, you know, right. ideally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it seems like connection like that is pretty significant. Like when I, uh, I look back on my week, um, I started this habit of, um, once a week, um, looking back on the 
previous week and thinking what's the most significant things that happened, what were the highlights of the week, and then I kind of planned the next week. And it seems like uh, connections like that, when I think back on my week, it's like, wow, I had this great conversation with this person and then later with this person. Yeah. Those seem, just seem significant. Other things that seem significant are like um, accomplishing them something that was really tough. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like it at the time, but um, pausing to look back on it gives me a few moments just to kind of celebrate it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's a great yeah, practice. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything else that you think you, that you'd like to bring up or first uh, before we wrap up? Nothing is jumping to mind, but yeah, this has been really nice. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Um, now you mentioned a website where your blog is at. Um, do you want to share that? Or yeah, sure. Uh, it's epiceverydaynow.com. Um, it's, I think all there really is, we, well, yeah, the podcast episodes are there. There's a little bit about my wife and I, um, and that's pretty much it. But I, I'd love to get in touch with anybody who wants to know more about spiritual and emotional health and more Tai Chi or whatever. I think there's a way to give us your email on there. Mm-hmm. Can Tai Chi be practiced on one's own, or do you really need to go to a class? Um, I I don't know. We've only done it with the class. It's helpful to have a teacher to, to be able to answer questions and to say, you know, why are we breathing this way? I mean, there's videos on YouTube, and okay. so maybe, they, maybe they're pretty great. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube that you can learn almost anything there. So mm-hmm. I just haven't tried that. But okay. there's resources there as well. There's different ways to do Tai Chi, too. And we just did it one one certain way, and I don't remember what exactly it was called. But there's other exercises and other sort of, I guess, tr- trains of thought within you know the big tent of Tai Chi. So I, I don't really know what's out there, except for what I've learned. But Okay. Why might I be trying that out? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life.